I don't know what in the world is going on with this weather. It cannot make up its mind. Exactly. Yeah, high pressure, low pressure, cold, hot, middle. I mean, it's just good. But I'm, I still love living in Florida, hurricanes and all. I'd rather have a hurricane than a tornado. Anybody else? Tornadoes don't warn you. You usually get a warning after the tornado's already landed. There was a little boy named Tommy, Timmy one time. And like kids today, they don't want to put their money in the offering plate. My, I try to teach my children about tithing. When I was a, when I was a young man, I never really saw my mom. I, I saw my daddy tithe in the beginning of his Christian walk. But later, I never saw tithing. And years ago, when... My sister gave me some of the paperwork and stuff that was in my dad's belongings. And I think she gave it to me. Somebody did. I saw some tithing checks in there for like a dollar, two dollars. I'm like, my daddy wrote a check for one dollar? And he was meticulous about money. Don't get me wrong. But the fact is, it gave me a little insight about what, how his life turned out. I'm like, my God, my daddy pastored churches and all. And I don't remember him ever teaching people how to live in the economy of God. And as he got older, it showed. That's my opinion. It's my daddy. I can have it. And I wanted to learn from that. So I taught my children tithing. I taught, and I'm teaching my grandkids when I'm around them. And they don't, they don't like coughing up that money. Little Timmy was the same way. And they used to pass the plate around in the church for the offerings. And, and as the plate came around, Little Timmy, man, he just didn't want to put that money in that Sunday morning in that offering plate. So his mother said, what can I do here to provoke him and get him to do? She was looking for and hurrying for some creative reasoning to get him to do it. So as the plate came by and he had his money out and he, didn't want to, he said, I don't want to put it in there. She said, quick, quick, Timmy, drop that money, drop. You don't want that money, honey, pretty. Drop it in the plate, drop it. It's tainted. And little, little Timmy was horrified and he put all the money in the plate. Plate went on by. A few seconds later, he whispered his mom, Mommy, that money was, it was tainted? Mommy, what, was it dirty? What, what, my, that money was tainted. And the mommy said, no, dear. It's really not dirty. It just taint yours and it taint mine. It's Yahweh's. So this morning, we've got to learn what taint ours. If we really are Christians and believe the Bible, let me tell you what the Bible says. Everything's God's, and we're just stewards of it. You know, I, I want to say this, you know, it, it is, uh, I always tell you about our insurance. I thought we'd get the new roof on, our insurance would come way down, you know. It did come down, actually, and I, but I questioned my insurance company. He said, listen, if you, if you hadn't have had the roof repaired, it had been $15,000 more this year than it was last year. I've been 30, over $30,000. So anyhow, I just, I tell you what, last week I was looking at the giving and uh, one, of the, one of the families in our church, I, I hadn't even had to ask for anything. They know it's January, we have to do that. They gave their tithes and they gave their gift to help us with the church insurance. So, uh, man, I love that. that. You don't know how that blesses me. And so I want you to know it's available if you want to do it. This is what we have. We got about $16,000 to pay on the insurance. And if you want to help do that, I would appreciate it. God appreciate it. So, and the ecclesia will appreciate it. So anyhow, I'm going to say that and how much I appreciate people. We're going to talk about this a little bit.
Because, see, I want to thank people this morning who are here. And I want to thank people who are the ones who make the purpose of God successful. First of the year, this is some, you know what I teach on the first month of the year? I talk about first things. The fact is, if it wasn't for those people who are making the, the purpose of God successful, if it wasn't for those people, you wouldn't be here today. You hear me? And neither would I. Yahweh would probably already have me dust my feet off and move to another city or to a people who are more willing to establish a man, a place, and an ecclesia and a people for the glory, for his glory and for his purpose. You should thank them this morning. I'm thanking them, and they know who they are. Thankful. Because if not for them, your opportunity to know the true gospel, to know the truth, and become part of the very place that you must be part of to get you well done, it wouldn't be here. You wouldn't know the gospel. You wouldn't have an ecclesia to go to. You can't just go to American in church and get you well done. That's what we preach. That's what the Bible says. You can't have personal salvation on your own at home on the couch. If it wasn't for those people, man. You wouldn't get your well done. You wouldn't even be here. You might still be going to a church that teaches a false gospel. Still in deception. So I wonder how it feels to people if they knew that it was them that was the cause of somebody else's eternal death. Or the reason, how, how would they feel if they knew they were the reason that somebody wasn't healed? Or why someone left their family? Or left this church family. Well, I can tell you it's happened before. How? I'm going to give you the reasons how. Number one, by you staying away from Ecclesia. The scriptures liken us, the members of the body, like the members of a physical body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And just as the certain organs of the human body cannot be removed without death coming to the body, so it is with the church, the body of Christ. My message is this today. Are you stopping Yahweh's purpose? Are you getting in the way and stopping what God purposes? I had a man tell me one time that nobody can stop God's purpose. I said, that's not true. Because it's God's will and purpose for everybody to repent. And all come to repentance and all be saved. But how many of you know a person can stop God's purpose in that? When the members of the church start staying away from the gathering of the church, it starts leading to death. It would be like this, okay, one, one day you wake up, your arm's gone. Another day you wake up. Your other arm's gone. Sounds like a Monty Python episode, don't it? <laughs> Wake up the next morning, one of your legs are gone. The next morning, you got your leg, but your liver's gone. Your nose is gone. Your mouth is gone. Your ears are gone. It's the worst case of spiritual leprosy. And it leads to death. This is generally a gradual thing, starting first with the slanderer, the accuser of the brethren, the internal dialogue that's telling you it don't matter where I, whether I'm there or not. It don't matter. I don't have to go to church. I got to I got God. I don't, you don't have to, you know, like this is what you say. Just because you're in a barn don't mean you're a cow. 
Just because you're in a uh, garage don't make you a car. Just because you're at McDonald's don't make you a Big Mac. Yeah, but that's where the Big Macs are. That's where the cars are, and that's where the cows live. We don't, I think it's because we are ignorant of the purpose of God that involves ecclesia. In Luke chapter 14, I want you to listen to this. Here's how God works, okay? Here's a parable. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I won't eat bread in the kingdom now and forevermore. Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and invited them, bade them, King James says, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, everything's ready. And they all with one consent begin to make excuse. I've always tried to differentiate between us, for us in this house, reason versus excuse. We've got a lot of reasons that are, that are legitimate reasons why we don't gather. But excuses will not be excused. I used to write my own excuses inside my mama's name. How many of you ever done that before? I used to could copy the assistant principal. Did you have Mr. Wadsworth? What was his? Wadsworth somebody? Who'd you have that you got in trouble with all the time? Snagro, come on, come down here. What, who, that was, who's that? Yeah. So I had one of those in my life, and we had these pink, little, they had these pink little tablets. I shouldn't admit this, but it's, under, it's like the guy on, on uh, Old Brother Wild. Well, that's under the blood, too. Hallelujah. <laughs> from Robin, Robin the Piggly Wiggly that time. Well, I'm saved from that too. So he had these pink things, and he would write on there, and they would, you know, Johnny was late to class, or they needed to excuse him for this or whatever. And he signed his name. I could sign it just like him. I made money in high school signing that man's name. But when I got caught, I got in trouble. He said, I got to make, make excuses. He, the first said this, look, I, bought, I got a piece of ground. I bought property. I've got a house. I've got a thing. I got to go see it. I pray thee to have me excused. Another said, oh, I bought five yoke of oxen. I got to go prove them. I pray thee excuse me. Another said, I got a wife at home, and I can't come. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, guess what he got? He got angry. I'm going to tell you all something. When you don't show up and make excuses not to come to the house of God and eat what's on the table every first of it makes God angry. Y'all hear me? Oh, he don't really care, does he? Oh, listen, I'm trying to teach y'all. Any excuse we put before God makes God ticked off. He said, look, I'll tell you what you do. Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the hither of the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is still room. And the Lord said to the servant, Now go out in the highways and hedges and compel them that come to my house, that my house may be filled. And for I say unto you that none of those which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And the real everyday definition of this, the Jews refused to receive Yahshua and who he was and do what he said and obey his commandments. So guess what he said? Let me see. Bring the Gentiles in. You know those pork eaters? I said, you know those pork eaters? Huh? 
Those, th- those people, bring, bring them in. Of course, I hear it all the time. Not just, not just in our house. I see it, in, it's an attitude that came from the harlot. To, it's okay to forsake the gathering of the house of Yahweh Sunday morning in order to sleep in. Those are the most very, most unfaithful people. They can't get their butt up. They want to sleep in and not come to God's house. You can't be lazy and get you well done. There's a work to do. But the gospel that's preached in America is there's nothing to do. He's done it all. Just, just go ahead and sleep the rest of the day. The same excuses that are thought valid for staying out of church services, guess what? If somebody gets invited to a party, guess what they do? Oh, they're not saying, I'm just going to sleep in. Oh, there's a chance for profit and money to be made. Oh, I'm getting up. I get up early. Can't wait. I got to make that money. And nowadays, it's really just about any excuse. But Yahweh one day is going to set up all those accounts. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. But the Bible in Proverbs 16, 2 says, But Yahweh weigheth the spirits. Well, it's okay. I mean, I got an excuse. It's a good excuse. Excuses, my friends are nothing more than lies that will eventually become your reality because now you think it's okay. Excuses will sabotage your present life and it will stop the purpose of Yahweh and it blocks your path to eternal life. Some church members said they were part of the ecclesia. They permanently have forsaken the church. It, they started off excuses, excuses, got to go here, got to do there. But then they wind up, they never return again. I've seen it over and over. And, I, and they can say what they want. Oh, no, we're joined. We'll, you're never going to leave here, whatever. Whoops. You're already deceiving yourself. If we consider the connections between these two verses in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 25 and 26, I think it's an indication that most people never really understand fully what coming to the ecclesia is for. Because we're selfish. We think it's for us. What can I receive? What can I get out of it? And that's not even the way the kingdom works. Listen to what it says. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love to good works. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so the much more as we see the day approaching. What day? The day of judgment. Listen, you might as well say your, your death, because Yahshua is going to return the day you die, because the day you die, the next thing you're going to understand and realize and be cognizant of is the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to be in that grave doing this. Oh, is he ever going to get here? It's going to be like falling asleep and waking up. Boom. I was interested to see what the word provoke because the commandment is to come to ecclesia and provoke one another, to incite to good. Listen to this, to dispute in anger. This country was built on debate. Paul debated in the streets of Rome. And they say argue. It means contention, to provoke unto your job is to come here and to provoke people to do the right thing. 
Tell you what, when you come here and you sit in your chair and you sit in your post and you're, you're a man of God and woman of God and you're there and you realize just that will provoke people when they lay out of church and are lazy and use their excuses, they come, well, well, dang. Coach and Michelle still on the front row. They're still here. Ern's right there. Dick Glory's right there. Chetty's back there. Y'all hear my point? Jim Riedel has to use a walker. I remember one time Lisa was sick. Here Jim shows up. <laughs> Jim shows up. What's the men's meeting maybe? It was the men's meeting you came to, Jim. Here Jim is. How old are you now, Jim? How old are you now? <laughs> eight, eight. Ain't that great? Great. Here he comes. I like that Jim Riedel. He makes the purpose of God work. He ain't blocking the purpose of God. He's contributing to the purpose of God. That's, that's, that's judgment right there. When Jim Riedel walks in here on that walker, that judges people who ain't here. Y'all hear me? Well, you know, right, Johnny, I had, my, had a headache this morning. Yeah, well, the headache going to stop you from going to, to, uh, out to eat after church. How else is we gonna, are we stopping God's purpose? By starving it. This church is a living organism. Listen to this, Acts 2.47. And Yahweh added to the church daily such as should be saved. <laughs> now, that don't mean we don't do nothing. Well, if Yahweh's going to add to them, I'm just going to sit over here. And... It means see, that he does it through our prayers and through our preaching and our holy living. You hear me? A church can be killed by starving it when it no longer has any spiritual, godly people. Just carnal now, if that's what we are. The degenerate church of Rome who became the harlot was once a New Testament church, but then it lost its spirituality. It lost putting God first in its life. It's, not, it's lost not living by bread alone, by, by every word. It, 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 it failed by a carnal, selfish life. How can that be prevented by the members living a sanctified, and if that's too holy for you, a dedicated? A dedicated life from day to day. Look, it can't be week by week that we are dedicated to God or month by month. We can't just come here on Sunday then walk right out of the church and be the same carnal person we've been all week. That will cause the church to the, will no longer be able to, to make the purpose of God happen because we just got a bunch of spiritually dead people here that are still coming to church. Let me give you what definition of dedication and sanctification. It requires denying your flesh and yourself. It means that you are committed. It means that you take ownership and responsibility. And all too many people who think they're Christians are unwilling, are too blind to do those things. A lot of people are living off the sowing of their past. A church is a business. Yahshua said it clean. He said, look, I'm, I'm doing my father's business. He wasn't talking about the carpentry shop of Joseph. The grandest, most worthwhile business in the world is God's business, God's purpose. And therefore, 
Like all businesses, it takes money to run it. I thought about people in the past. I've studied economy, economics and stuff. And you've probably heard the story before of two men I'll just briefly mention. One's name was Milton Hershey. How many of you ever had a Hershey bar before? You know, Milton Hershey was a tither. He, because of the way he took his business and made it God's business, when he died, just for the Hershey school, he left a, what do you call you when you leave a school? A endowment. $12.2 billion selling chocolate. But purposely, when he got up in the morning and went to work, the purpose was not his purpose, but he was doing it for the purpose of Yahweh. And of course, J.C. Penney, you know his story, started a little clothing store, and I mean, we go on and on with him. And so he tithed 90%. He called it tithe, it wasn't. But he lived off the 10% and gave God the 90 and he died a very wealthy man. More than he could ever. I mean, you can't spend that kind of money. Those who understand that they go to work every day and everything they do, they go to work, first of all, so the kingdom of God, God's house, can be financed. It ain't for your house, my house, my car, your car, and all that. It's for the purpose of Yahweh. And those people who understand that, I will say to you, you will never lack. Even people just do that a little bit will never lack. To the failure of God's people to support the church financially, I think we've covered that this month already. You know, the Bible plainly says you're a thief if you don't. That's who you are if you withhold tithes and offerings. And it, people say that's in the Old Testament, Johnny. Look, the division in the Bible for the Old Testament is man-made. There wasn't an Old Testament and a New Testament. It's one book. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 14, obligates believers to support the business of the Father in precisely the same way the tabernacle was supported in, in Moses' times. How was that? Tithes and offerings. Let me read you a passage, that passage of Scripture if you'll give me a minute. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Yeshua Christ our Lord? Are ye not my work in the Lord? If I not be an apostle unto at others, yea, doubtless I am to you. And the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. My answer to them that do examine me is this. Aren't, am I not allowed to eat and drink? Am I not a power to lead about a sister or a wife or well as other apostles and the brethren of the Lord? Or I only in Barnab Barnabas aren't allowed to, to, to forbear working and the people, the flock support the shepherd. Who goeth to warfare at any time and is on charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not fruit thereof? And who feedeth the flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? Say all these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out of the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If ye have sown unto you spiritual things, it is a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things. Do you not know that they who minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? 
Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel shall live of the gospel. What am I telling you? Tithes and offerings, we have a responsibility for the house of God, and you have a responsibility for the man of God to take care of his livelihood. Another thing is a critical spirit. Now, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of critical spirit among our house. And, I, and, and the fact is this. I don't know many people that I'm preaching to in this house today except reminding us. I don't know that I can say, I'm preaching to them, whatever. But I'm preaching to a lot of people out there. And I think it's good review in the first of this year to remind ourselves of these things. Amen? Will you receive it today? There's those people, man. They'll run down a church. And I'll tell you why. Because you've got to put down people that call you out. Even though you don't have to do it personally, your very life will bring judgment on people. There are people, they, they don't invite me no more. There are a lot of people, they don't want to be part. They don't want to be around me because they think I'm judging them. And I am. The apostle is get runs down. A lot of times, most of the time in my face, they love me to death. And who wouldn't? And those who are faithfully working in the church, people say something about them or somebody that's, that's excited in the church, we want to say something about them or we find that something, you know, there was one time there was somebody in our church and it bothered them that a person in our church's chair squeaked. And he came to me complaining. I said, move! Or fix the chair. Put a little... WD-40 on it, it fixes everything. And some duct tape, we get, it wouldn't squeak no more. What's wrong? But says that besides that, just, I mean, they just b complained all the time about that person squeaking that chair. <laughs> Same thing's true. I've always heard this story all my life about mules and Christians. A mule can't pull while they're, pull while they're kicking. And they can't kick while they're pulling. Pray about that and you'll come to you one day. What's another reason that the purpose that we can stop the purpose of Yahweh? See, I think the purpose of Yahweh is that we all walk in health. And they all have financial blessing. And we all are happy and have joy and peace. That's the purpose of God. But it's getting stopped. And I don't think it's God's problem. If we allow strife in the ecclesia, we'll stop Yahweh's purpose. I think strife has killed a lot of people. I mean, a lot of churches, even when they're not what I believe is a true church, strife can tear up something. How many of you know it can tear up a man's business? It can tear up a man's uh, home. It can tear up a man's church, his social gathering. He can even have a, a poker game on Wednesday nights. And guess what? Strife will blow that thing apart. Come on. When two people get in disagreement and they're big babies, they're emotionally immature. They're selfish. It's going to cause strife, which will grow until it consumes the whole person, both of them, and everything around them. It will destroy your wife, your children, your family, your everything. And it will keep you from even enjoying any financial success that you think you might have. It's a strife. Strife is a mark that you are backslidden, that you are spiritually immature, and that you're carnal. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, I, and I, brethren... 
I can't speak to you like to spiritual, but I have to talk to you like you're carnal, like babies in Christ. For you know why? Because you are carnal. For whereas there is envy and strife and divisions, and you are not carnal and walk, are you not carnal and walk as men? When we walk and talk and act like the world, it's defeating the purpose of Yahweh. And the purpose of Yahweh is for you and all those you love to get a well done. And even those that you don't love necessarily even know yet for them to get a well done. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen outside of the ecclesia. You know, it, it just ain't going to happen. It's God's way. Strife generally has its roots in pride. Because you've got both parties proudly assuming that they're right. And they can't even admit that there's a possibility that they might be wrong. <laughs> no, I'm right. Well, can't you just say, no, I'm right. I don't care what the Bible says. At the same time, without trying to see the other person's point of view, and can't even admit that the other could be right. Could they, can I, could they just be a little bit right? No. Look, I've met with married folk and all kind of people my whole life trying to help people out. And I, the problem is you can help them out if they say, okay, there's a chance they might be a little right. Okay, we've got to open the door here. But a mature, healthy ecclesia don't have that kind of stuff going on. I mean, really, it's because we should know this. Not only can we be wrong, we were wrong. We didn't even understand what the Bible meant. We didn't know what happened to a man when he died. We, we didn't know that the name Jesus wasn't even sufficient for salvation. You know, I might be wrong about whether you're wrong and I'm right. Self-righteousness that looks down upon somebody. Listen to me. It is strife when we look down on somebody and we, we judge them from a place. Maybe it's, you know, maybe they don't have the financial opportunities that we have and we look down on them or the way they they dress or the way they they talk and the way they respond or they're not you know whatever it is when we have that attitude that's strife and that strife will stop Yahweh's purpose because Yahweh's purpose is for us to understand that we're all one and we're all equal and we're all in this together and we can't just be concerned about me myself and my stuff but we have to be and take responsibility for all people in the ecclesia. And I want to tell you, that's going to be hard. This is what parable Yeshua said. He said, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. There you go. That they were righteous, but they despised others. Uh, how, much, how many more times are you going to ask me for money? I have people ask me for money a lot. They need help. They think I'm rich. And I am toward God. I got to tell you, the, the, most of my life, it's like I had this bank account that just never went dry. And I've done a lot of things because God's perpetual blessing, dependent upon, dependent upon, dependent upon my faithfulness. Now, that don't mean I didn't mess up, but I didn't lie about it or excuse about it. I repented and got back up on the horse or the wagon or whatever it is you get back on. I told a person one time, I said, hey, they were, they were talking about me about something. I said, hey, have you seen our church lately? I mean, do you know that all that we get to do, all that we have to have comes from your tithe? Well, it would if you tithed. 
I told him. I don't, I don't show prejudice against them. I'm not boasting to me. I want you to hear my point today. Hey, can you help me out with this? Well, I just helped you out yesterday. Can you help me out with this? Well, last week I did help you out. Can you help me out with this? Little, but let me tell you how smart I am. I may not be the smartest person in the world about something, but I'm smart about this. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to make sure this ain't a test. I got to make, okay, well, okay. Hey, 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 God. <laughs> Watch this. Here, $150. Buy that what you need for your car. Can I afford it? I cannot afford it when I know it's God. Because God said, if I, if I give to the poor, it's like lending him money. And I want to tell you, he pays huge interest rates. Are y'all talking to me yet? They despise others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. A Pharisee and a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Ha! <laughs> you hear that, Joey? Yeah, he praying to himself all right. God! Isn't it interesting he prayed to himself? God, talking to me. I thank you that I'm as who I am. I'm making that up. That I'm not like other men are. <laughs> Extortioners, unjust adulterers, even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes, all that I possess. And the publican standing far off and would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I can never, and you can never, discredit, disregard those people. In our lives, who are more unfortunate than us. And I've, I, there are sometimes I don't give people money. But I sure make sure I'm not stopping God's purpose for not only her or him, but for me and my blessing. Are y'all hearing me today? But he smote his, upon his breast saying, God be merciful. I tell you what, that guy... Went down to his house justified more than the other. Because if you exalt yourself, here's a universal divine principle. You're going to get abased. Somebody said, you shouldn't put people on a pedestal. I said, don't worry about putting people on a pedestal. They said, God will knock a man off a pedestal. I said, he won't need to. The guy will slip and fall all by his stupid self. But here's the other side of it. But if we humble ourselves. To do God's way, to God's, God's plan, God's purpose, we are exalted. He exalts me. Let's sing that one. He exalts me. Y'all remember that song? I just rewrote it. I'm a little dyslexic, got it backwards, but it works. Pride is going to stand in the way of humility. And humility is always the first step toward repentance. You know that. And you got the group of people that bring strife in. Whether it's one person or a group of people, they get their feelings hurt by me, by the apostle. It's very common. People come to our church where I am faithful to preach against sin and declare your responsibility as an ecclesial member and your duty. When a man does that in church, guess what? Strife can enter in. I wish I could sing better than I sing. I wish I was taller than I am. I wish I was smarter than I am. I wish a lot of things. I see guys preach. Man, I envy them. Not in a sinful way. I wish I could just talk like that. Family, you know, God is going. I can't do that. 
That ain't me. I'd, that'd be so hard for me to do. I, but I can do a saved, sanctified me. And I'm passionate. And this is how I am. This is my, I'm, if, you, if we're talking about something, we get into something, that's just how I talk. So somebody told me one time, you know, they say, you know, Johnny, it's, you can catch a whole lot more flies with honey than you can something bitter or something. I forget what they said. I said, well, I'm not trying to catch flies. And if I was, I'd use something else. <laughs> Let me tell you what my job is, sir. That's what I told them. This is what my job is, to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season. I ain't missed a lick. Forty years have we missed a lick, that preceding word. I, mean, I ain't missed a lick. I'm just saying, okay, what now? There's times I've emptied myself so much, I'm like, I'm not, I don't have anything else to preach. Whoop, what the, here it is. And here we go. This is what I'm supposed to do. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. I want to tell you, I may be hard and yell and reprove and rebuke people, but I'm long-suffering with people. Y'all know that's the truth. There's people that have been gone for a long time and come back. And guess what? I was still here waiting for them with open arms. Not to reject them. Long-suffering. Are you bragging on yourself? I'm bragging on God. Listen to this. I don't even do this much. I've done it. If I start doing this, we, I, we're never going to have any. I might as well just sell the building. Them that sin, sin, them that sin, rebuke before all, that others also may fear. <laughs> this is what I should do. Okay, I'm going to call your name up here. Adams, Aardvark, Bailey, Brothers. Davis, I'm going through alphabet, A, B, C, D, E. If I get pulled over drunk driving, I'm going to have a problem. A, B, C, D, E, uh, Edwards, F, uh, French. Uh, all right, y'all come stand up here. These are all the people that robbed God this week. Here they are. They're thieves in this house. There they are. They didn't tithe this week. The Bible says they robbed God. It's a sin. They're not going to get the well done unless they repent. And it takes two tithes to repent. If I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. If I started doing that to people, I don't think nobody would come. I'll tell you what it's like. Like the guy that was giving word of knowledge at this church. This was back in the early 80s when, you know, they had a bunch of prayer lines and all this. And this guy had the gift of word of knowledge and playing on of hands and all this kind of stuff. So, man, people wanted to hear prophecy. Just like, how many of you know on Facebook, they say, hey, what kind of bug are you? Click here to find out what kind of animal you are. Man, we want to know. I'm a, what am I? We want that horoscope, don't we? We go, tell me about it. What does Johnny mean? And we click, click. Well, people want that prophecy stuff. Yea, I say unto you this day, the Lord loves you. The Lord is with you. He, he's going to prosper you. He's going to bless you in a wonderful way. You're going to win the lottery. I mean, it's basically what they want to hear. So this church had two two sections of pews, and the line came. There was two lines coming here and two lines on the side, and they were waiting for this guy to lay hands on them to prophesy over them. And this man walked up. There was a man here, and there was a man here, because he was the next in the line. You know, come this way. He'd go here, 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 and they would mingle those in. And he, the man was standing there to be prophesied with. And he said this. The Lord would say to you and to me, you're having an affair with that woman standing right behind you. 
God is not happy about it. He was like prophesying, and you better repent today. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Bow your heads and let's pray. He said, Father, I, we, I pray that you'll forgive this man's sin and his adulterous affair with this woman right here. And when he said amen, opened his eyes, there was nobody else in line. <laughs> they were like, hey, 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 hey. No. No, we don't want that. False prophet. False prophet, yeah. I've never seen her in my life. These things speak and exhort and rebuke them sharply, 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 that they may be sound in the faith. I can't pussyfoot around with people. I can't say, oh, you're going to be okay. It's okay. You can't come to church. What? Oh, you're tired. Oh, you're so tired. I know. You know, that's, that's the kind of excuses. I can't do that to you because I'll stand before God one day and you what you're going to say. Why didn't you tell me? I'm saying, hey, you can't blame me. I'm not going to be no excuse for anybody. I love you enough to tell you the truth and be who God says we're going to be and for him to have his purpose in the earth. I'm committed to that. And I'm grateful for all of those of you who are committed to that with me and have been over the years because look at here. Y'all hear me? Look at here. On the basis of that, a spiritual father has a duty not only to declare the truth, which I've been very faithful in, but also to rebuke the members who are living wayward lives. Your apostle is your superintendent, your overseer, your bishop, your shepherd over the flocks, Acts 20, 28. And I preach Christian responsibility to you. Listen, will you listen to me? I was telling my wife the other day, well, uh, yesterday, I mean, we went out to Orange Blossom Opry. Saw the grassroots. My brother never disappointed me, and I repent for being a failure in his life that he don't know who the grassroots are. Sooner or later, love is going to... Oh, what love grows where my rosemary... You don't know, know that, Coach? Oh, my God, Jesus, help me. I got to get y'all caught up. Yeah, y'all just right under that little bubble, aren't you? You know this song? It dropped a bomb on me, baby. I thought you would. When I preach, so I was, was driving back from there yesterday, and my wife was asking me about somebody. And I said, yeah. I said, you know what? They just couldn't take government in their life. They just couldn't take government. They fainted. Because I preach responsibility to you and what I preach, the truth that I preach, you're obligated to obey and submit because I am accountable to Yahweh for you. And I want you to listen to me real close. And if you don't receive me as your spiritual father, I always say this, you know, you're fool to believe everything I say. But if you don't consider what I'm preaching to you seriously, you, you don't need to be here. You need to find somebody you trust enough that's going to get you your well done. Because if I don't have enough authority in your life that I can say something to you that you won't at least seriously consider, then what we're doing, we're stopping Yahweh's purpose. If I tell you something's wrong, you come to me and you tell me. But you better not come saying, that's just what I believe. You hear me? Yeah, but I don't believe that. Why? Because that's, I don't believe that. But why? Well, this is what I believe. I just don't believe that. Well, Why? Have you ever? No, they don't have nothing. Now listen. It's a very, very serious thing 
that comes with negative consequences when we disobey when I'm endeavoring to lead us on to serve Yahweh better and more faithfully. I have heralded get to church, get to church, get to church, get to church all last year. Yahweh were on us about sinning. And one sin was forsaking the Sunday meeting. Another sin was getting drunk. Quit getting drunk. And third thing, of course, was let's be honest with God about our money. There's seven, there's seven baptisms. Baptism into repentance. Baptism into water. Baptism into the Holy Spirit. Baptism into, the, into fire. Baptism into the body. Baptism into suffering. And baptism into the cloud. January last year, I told you, we are beginning to enter the baptism into the cloud. Hopefully, we're already baptized into the body, but that's really what I'm talking about because when you use excuses and you're not here to provoke us and to help us get our well done, then you ain't part. And you're not going to receive the flow of the blessing that comes with being, really being a part. I've seen people in our church go through hard things, very difficult, horrible things, but I want to tell you something. God was with them. He walked with them through it. He didn't leave them, forsake it. But there's other people that I've seen leave our church, that tragedy comes even above and beyond because I believe they don't consider what Yahweh told them to do and they, they belligerently, willfully chose to walk away from obeying God. They stopped the purpose of Yahweh. Look, you can't do that. If you do that, you're, stopping, you're, you're interfering. It's like somebody that we have a basketball game and you have five players and one of them don't show up. Now, how many of you would be on the team would be mad at them? Let me see your hand. Then your job is to do this. To provoke me, you need to argue with them, not be, ang be angry with them and say, hey, you ain't in church. Get in here. You might have the prayer that saves my baby's life. We can't do it with four. It might be you who changes the direction of a loved one. It might be you that brings joy into the anointing of God. But you're the missing link. So guess what they do to people who don't show up for the game, coach? He might bench them. I guarantee you, I know how this man coaches. You think I'm passionate? Go watch him coach. True? He ain't care if you hurt your feelings or not. He grab you by the hair of the head and drag you back on the bench. Yell at you. And they say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. We're entering in. Last year I told you, the first of the year. We're coming to the baptism into the cloud. But you can't get to that baptism because until you go through what's called the baptism into suffering. It's blocking the way. You walk into the tabernacle, okay, outer court. Here we got repentance. The altar. Then we go to the laver, baptism into water. Then we go into the inner place, most holy place. We got the lampstand made out of gold with these almond cup, uh, blossom cups there that hold all. So you got the Holy Spirit, and then you got baptism into fire. Then you got oh, across the room, baptism into the body, which people don't realize and have a revelation of unless they got the Holy Spirit that illuminates the room that lets them see it. Then, in the middle of the room against the, the veil is the, is the small altar. And that is baptism into suffering. 
And the Bible says this. I quote it this way every time. Not as a busybody thief or murderer. If you suffer for that, you deserve it. But listen, there's going to be suffering in the world. Y'all hear me? What do you get? What do you say? Oh, my God, <laughs> my back. Oh, well, you know, stuff starts falling down, falling out. We start, you know, it's just, we, it's life. We're going to go through tough things because people are going to die. We're in a cursed world. We're not going to make, Disney World ain't going to change nothing. That baptism in the cloud is barricaded by the baptism into suffering. The Bible says, straight is the gate and narrows the way that leads unto everlasting life. That word straight means it is filled with obstacles. This is an obstacle course we're talking about. Let me help you understand. We, this ain't nursery time. This ain't kindergarten. This ain't recreation. What's your favorite subject in school, Johnny? I used to say lunch. I used to say recess. That's what they called it. Why? We get to just play. And then I got older, I wanted, I liked lunch. I still like lunch, my favorite class. This is, this is qualifying for immortality. I have watched the Navy SEALs qualify. Number one, you can't do it by yourself. You have to be a team. If you don't know how to be a team, you can't qualify to be a SEAL. Nope. No good. You can get through the whole course. But right before, oh, there it is. There it is. There's the end, there's the end line. There's the, the, the finish line, the end zone. There it is. Guess what? There's a bunch of obstacles between you to get there at the very last stretch. And you were wore out. They've had all been outside in the weather and freezing and all. They've been in water, water for hours and hours. they doing all kinds of stuff. But guess what? you still got to get past that. That's where we are. Society's there. They just don't know. It's at the end of the age. The end of every age is always chaotic. Study your history and you'll see. So here we go. We, we're not talking about. See, if you're a wuss and you're a little sissy, let me tell you what, then you're not going to be able to qualify for what God's called people to be. Can you at least try? Will you commit to it? If you fall down, will you get back up? Will you let us help you? You can't if you ain't here. It's a mindset of individualism that I preached about this year that is idolatry and it's a lie. You can't be emotionally immature and get to the finish line. And so you need us to help you get jacked up. We, we, you need us to help you when you fall down and get up. And we need you to help me. You know, Moses needed Aaron and her to lift his hands up. The battle was lost. I can't do this by myself. Jonathan, I preached last week about having an armor bearer. I, what I was going to name my message last week was this. All two, both of us. <laughs> you heard that saying before? Uh, all two, both of us. Because Jonathan and his little armor bearer there, they didn't wait on all the army and all this kind of stuff with his, his, his backslidden father Saul. He said, let's go. And it was a tough getting from them to get there to defeat the Philistines. They had to go through these rugged mountains. And they had to go. Uh, there was a big cliff there. And then they got there and they had to fight the army. There's just two of them. So, they, so Jonathan said, hey, I'll tell you what we're going to do. If they, say, if they say, come on up, we're going to fight you or whatever, we're going to go up. So they got there and they made themselves known. And he said, they said, come on up here and we're going to give you a lesson. 
Jonathan told his armor bearer, that's our signal to go. And this is what his armor bearer said. Hey, whatever you decide, I'm with you. All two, both of us. And they went up there and they began to, the Bible says, scattering them over what, an acre, 10 acres, what was the story, how many? Anyhow, they slaughtered them. And, it, and guess what? One person like that, or those two people with unity, what it did is just like the same thing David did when he defeated Goliath. All, you need, all we need is a couple of people who are going to do this, and it's contagious. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. Or I'm watching over your soul, man. I got to give account that you will also do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Let me tell you what the word means. It means to loose. Unprofitable. When you, when you serve God and it ain't with joy and you whining and complaining, God ain't this, where are you at, God, and all that is trouble. When the man of God in your life that you believe in and submit to the authority of this house and the shepherd, the under shepherd, I'm not the shepherd, I'm the under shepherd. I'm representing Yahweh over this house and this flock. Guess what? When he says something to you, then you can't be whining about it or ignoring it. It means it will make you not be able to hold things together. I see people's lives when they re rebel against the mighty hand of God and God's purpose, then their life begins to fall apart. There's their lack of cohesion is what that means. Unprofitable. You're missing the benefit because you're not complete. You're missing something essential. It describes the lost benefits from making a poor choice. And one form of the word in the Greek is a technical medical term for unfavorable symptoms. I've seen it. Another one is stubbornness. Some people seem to delight to be stubbornly resisted, all the spiritual progress and activity. Look, when we have a word from the Lord here and we start getting something and you don't cooperate and you're too stubborn to get part of it, it, it hinders the work and purpose of Yahweh. That's a dangerous self to be in. If you get in Yahweh's way, he will roll over you. It's no virtue to be set in our way so much and so carnal that we... we Hinder the purpose of God in this church. Sin of Sardis. They stubbornly refused to repent of sin. And that church slowly died on the vine. All the while, they refused to admit their true spiritual state. Well, I'm doing everything. I do this. I do that. One thing, everything bad's happening to me. Well, you might want to check yourself. And I'm trying to help us get to that place. There's a thing that's called dead orthodoxy. And what it is, it's when someone or a people or a church or religion or whatever has doctrinal soundness, and I think we do. For those that really believe the gospel that we've, and we've been preaching here, we have doctrinal soundness. But when you have that with people who are devoid of any real love for Christ, and you say you are living, but you are dead, is how Paul said it. Had a guy tell me and his wife, and more than one actually, but this one particular, he said, this is my life, it's my business whether I repent or not. I said, no, stop, you're not, that's not true. 
We're supposed to be the standard in the earth. Every person is an example to somebody else. His bad example is going to leave others astray and perhaps concerning something much worse. I have to accept the responsibility that wherever I am, wherever I go, and whatever I do, I am a testimony and a witness for the power of God Almighty. And I can't just say, people say, well, you a preacher now. You got to do that. No, we're all the body of Christ. What am I doing wrong? Well, maybe you're living a life that's a bad example and you're hindering the purpose of God and the person who would serve God, but they're watching you and you're such a pitiful example. They don't have any goal to reach or motivation. They're not being provoked to quit sinning and start serving the Most High God and putting Him first in their life. Talk is cheap, man. People watching how you live. The truth is, if we have one person in our church that's corrupt in the sense that they ain't really serving God, that they have, oh, I believe the doctrine. Oh, hey, give me, show me, what's that scripture about no hell? Hey, what's that scripture? And I never said there was no hell, by the way. I just said hell ain't what we say, are, but hell's the grave. And what about that scripture that says that there's no heaven? I've never said there's no heaven. There is a heaven, you just ain't going there. You see what I'm saying? What about Satan? Oh, I didn't say there wasn't a Satan. I said mine is more powerful than yours is. It's that it's the carnal sin nature. Give me, hey, I'm going to tell them. I'm prove to them this right here. All right, that's good. You want to do that? But if you're not loving God with your whole heart, mind, and strength, and your neighbor is yourself, then maybe that's why your problems are on your butt. Here's how the Bible says: Not only see a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So what we're doing, we're trying to have a holy people here. We're having a time to be, I'm not talking about people that are perfect in the sense that they never make mistakes. I'm talking about people that when they make mistakes, they correct it because they love God and they want their well done. And they're going to do the work of what God's called them to do and they're going to put him first in his life. Listen, none of us can afford to indulge any sin because sin in church members is what kills the purpose of Yahweh. And you are killing God's purpose and you're probably getting run over. Let me ask you this. I hope my wife will forgive me for saying this. I'm going to use that example. If I were to get caught with any female in a motel room, what would that do to you? Prostitute, woman, female. What would that do? Do you think it would affect the gospel message and the purpose of God for my life and for what's happening in this ecclesia that is rare? This is a rare thing. My God, do you all even understand how rare we are? Some of you walk out here so fast and make your head swim. You wouldn't even want to know that that was my mama. If that would be my mama, that would be something else. <laughs> but see what it does to the purpose of God? To Yahweh's purpose. I've stopped it. I've screwed the whole thing up. Over what might have been a moment of pleasure. Or maybe, it's, you know, maybe here I am. Y'all get my point. You have the same effect. If I just blatantly just don't show up because I got excuses. Well, you know what? I stayed up late last night. I tell you what, me and Bev, we want to go over here. We, want, we don't go. You don't hardly ever see me miss. Not because I can't. Not because, I mean, I can, I, he can preach. There's people we can let preach. But I know this is the purpose of God. And you're going to have the same effect that I have. It kills the 
when we indulge in sin, we just kill him what we're so hard trying to do. Because what we do is difficult in the world we live in. I mean, we got Christians against us, for God's sake. 1 Corinthians 3.17, I want you to listen to this. If any man defile or destroy the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Number one, house number one, if you defile this temple, and you do it by choices you make, and sins you accept in your life, and you willfully choose, God will destroy your temple. House number two, if you leave that door open and let the world come in there and get your babies and get your life and you, you have this secret life and that's different than the plan of God or whatever, guess what's going to happen? When you destroy that house of God, that temple, God will destroy your temple. He'll destroy that house. And do you know that in this house right here, if you defile this temple, God will destroy you. I know this. I might would get forgiveness from some people. You know, my wife has never, ever considered divorcing me. Murder? Yeah. Maybe she would forgive me. Not sure I'd forgive her. Maybe she'd forgive me. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same in my marriage. It wouldn't be the same with my children. Because my, my children respect me. They respect me as a spiritual leader, as a man of God. You think I'm going to throw that away? I play golf with these old guys, you know. It's $5. You think it was $5 million. Well, sometimes in golf you play bad. Sometimes you play good. On Friday, I play real good, and it's an individual game. So I, I won a lot of money there. Probably how many $5 are in there, I don't know. But one time years ago, guys asked me about cheating. I said, you mean, you think I'm going to to so risk having the blessing of God off of my life for a lot about this stupid golf game? You are out of your mind. Don't worry about me. I will roll it. But that's the club rule. But it don't matter. Look, here, take the $5. I'm not here for the $5. We have sold our birthright. And our integrity before God and our families. I tell you what, we need to go back and say, Honey, will you please forgive me? I've let our house down. I've left our family down. I've left it open. Forgive me. I'm going to serve God. Me and our house, we're going to serve God. And we're going to serve it in God's house. And we're going to do it right His way. Then you'll have the right thing. Won't be no counterfeits then. Won't there be discussion? Your heart won't condemn you then. And rob you of your faith. No matter what excuses may be given. If an individual or a group of individuals so conduct themselves to stop and delay the purpose of God. They better prepare to shortly face the judgment of God. Including even the loss of physical life. I know that sounds bold. I ain't trying to scare nobody. But I am trying to warn us. We playing. It's awful things to fall in the hands of, a, of God, man. A church and the work of Yahweh is more important than the collective rights of all of us put together. Because this church isn't here just for us. And I pray that you'll have a mind shift in this. But it's a witness to many people who may not ever join us. 
but they have an opportunity to know the real gospel from people that are sincere and committed to the things of Yahweh. Not only that, but the rights of future members must be considered when taking any action that's detrimental to the testimony and integrity of what this house is. When we are carnal and justify our own sins and excuse ourselves and soothe our own pride and hurt feelings, and we don't care that they quench the only faithful lighthouse of the truth in their community. That's what I believe. If you, if you know there's another one, please tell me. I want to go see them and have lunch with them. I don't know of anybody like this that even believes like us. Is that, is that a general truth? I mean, you tell people, like, what? You quench out the power of what this house represents because this is what people do. They know about us. You hear me? Don't they, Chetty? They know. Hey, why that guy, he thinks he knows everything up there. Hey, we go to that church up there. Blah, 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 blah. We're famous. <laughs> Where's the paparazzi? What about the future generations? Because... You stop the purpose of Yahweh, they may not have opportunity to hear the gospel and to be saved because this church was destroyed by the carnality and willful sinning of its members. I'm saved, so let the rest of the world perish all I care. You may not say that, that's what you're saying. The Bible says, Whoso seeth this world's good, Hath this world good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth of his bowels of compassion from him, he, how dwelleth the love of God in him. Can I tell you something? Some of you are thinking really wrong. And I want to tell you what I want to say to you. You think this is a Johnny church. And I've heard some people say, and it offended me deeply, because it made me feel bad that I didn't somehow Get the truth across to them. What's go, what are you going to do when you die? Well, I'm going to go to the grave until Yahshua comes in. I'm going to get my well done. What about the church? What about it? Who's going to who's going to take over? Let me take over. Yeah, Johnny, when you die, you know, everybody's going to come to church when you die. You know what? That breaks my heart. Because it means that I have failed. And the purpose of God was stopped. Maybe because I wasn't doing it the way I should. This is Yahweh's house. It's his purpose. What I'm not going to do is get in the way of his purpose. Because when I do, I get in the way of his purpose for me and my family. What's going to happen when I die? I have faith that somebody's going to step up that maybe surprise you. You're going to pick somebody out? Well, you know what, what may be the worst problem? You may not like them. You know, I don't like him. I don't like her. This ain't about who you like or don't like. This is about the purpose of God. And this house has purpose. Now, I ain't, I ain't planning on dying. Can y'all tell? Huh? I ain't planning on dying. But this ain't my church. This is Yahweh's purpose and His house. You don't have the concern for the purpose of God. God pitied a man who destroys or postpones the purpose of the ecclesia. Because if he's saved at all, he just put himself under the judgment of physical, emotional, relational, and financial death for putting his own selfish wants and will above the welfare and the purpose of the ecclesia, of the purpose of the true living God. He's in trouble. I'm almost done.
talking about selfishness. In the last part, I was talking about selfishness and, you know, how in America, that for every dollar that comes to a church in America, 12000 is spent on crime. And that people spend hundreds of times more on their pets than they do all the religious enterprises together. Man, people can't go nowhere out there without their dog. I'm surprised there ain't one in the church building today. It's just unfortunate that too often Yahweh's money is spent on something that caters only to our fleshly nature and that kind of thing. Selfish use of Yahweh's money is going to kill the purpose of God about as quick as anything else. I guess I want to close this morning by saying, may Yahweh give me more sound and mature sons and daughters to be more dedicated. More bold, more responsible, more committed, and more obedient to Yahweh's purpose. I loved the response last week because I believe and I'm so grateful for those people who are contributing to the success of Yahweh's purpose. I can always count on you. You're always here. Your money is here. Your love is here. I know this year we're going to have to pump it up a little bit to help provoke others and, and get that aspect of what we're doing. And I want, I want to see more of us take that step. How about you this morning? Those that listen to me, I've got all kind of people listen to me. Can I tell you all something? There's people who I'll talk about going to heaven and all that kind of stuff who like what I say on Facebook to know you don't even believe that. What? It's frustrating. Love. You don't, how do you love this? Your mommy in heaven. I mean, I, you don't love that. You, you disagree with it, but they'll just. So I don't know if they're just crazy or they love me so much. But the fact of the matter is, there are people who need to repent and quit laying out of church and quit robbing from God and quit discerning, not discern the body. So how are we stopping by your selfishness, your neglect. My prayer is that you contribute, repent, and for this year, let's get it right. Amen? Goodbye. Can we pray this morning? Can we pray for all of those people?